This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Olu George Ministries presents Focus on Freedom Podcast. We're covering the face of the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. Welcome to an encounter with timeless, transcendent, and triumphant truth. Here's your brother, friend, and messenger, Alu M. George. We have been on a very exciting journey, meditating on the Foursquare Jesus. Drawing inspiration from the life of a beloved saint, old-time saint of God, by the name of Amy Sample McPherson, a mighty, mighty woman of valor who built a 5,300-seat auditorium in Los Angeles, California, in the 20s. And that church grew to 10,000 people in a very, very short time. A colorful person, sometimes controversial like most people of God, but mightily used by God to change the story of thousands, multitudes in her own generation. She introduced the world to the concept of the gospel, of, of, of the four square gospel. Drawn from her experience with Ezekiel chapter 1, where she saw, where Ezekiel saw some creatures that had four faces. One, the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. We also saw in Exodus that the breastplate, that one of the pieces of um, of of um, clothing, that the or let me, let's say wearables that the priest wore, was four square, perfectly four square. All the sides are the same. We saw in Ezekiel chapter forty-eight. When God commanded Israel to settle after Israel was restored, after a very tragic time in their history. And God told them, let this tribe be on this eastern side of the other tribe and let the the other tribe be on the other side. God says in verse 20, I want at the center of this settlement a four square. And that will be my sanctuary. We also see in Revelations that the new Jerusalem will be four square. Sister McPherson says, the four square denotes Jesus as Savior from sin. It's it's right in his name. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. She said the second one is baptizer in the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, after people get saved, they are immediately ministered to or encouraged to press in to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist told us that. Number three, Jesus is the healer, not just from the ravages of sin, is the healer from physical infirmity, physical conditions. And we can even extrapolate that as the healer from all human suffering, psychological, physical, social, Financial, Jesus 
is the answer. Jesus already provided the answer. And I don't have a favorite among the four. I almost said my favorite, but they're all my favorites. But I love this one because it's very unpopular with the church. The soon coming king. We began to look at Jesus as Savior from sin. We said a few things. And we came to Romans chapter 6. We focused, we read through, but we got stopped or fixated at verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. The old liar has been crucified with Christ. The old fornicator has been crucified with Christ. The old thief has been crucified with Christ. The old prostitute has been crucified with Christ. The old gangster has been crucified with Christ. The, ho- the old cheat has been crucified with Christ. The old fearful, did you know the fearful will not enter the kingdom of God? Do you know people who are ruled and possessed by the spirit of fear will not, there's no place for them in the kingdom. The fearful, afraid of everything, afraid of even their shadows, afraid of what man can do to them. The fearful has been crucified with Christ. You don't have to crucify yourself with Christ. You have already been crucified with Christ. You just need to know that. But we know that there's two kinds of knowledge. There's a knowledge that makes us proud. There's a knowledge that makes us feel better than other people. It's intellectual knowledge. It's the knowledge you get from colleges and educational institutions. 80% or more of that knowledge is useless. It just makes you sound smart. Even if it's theological knowledge, there are many theologians who have never experienced Christ as Savior of anything. There are many PhDs in New Testament studies, Hebrew studies, who do not know Jesus as healer, who have never felt him, experienced him as a baptizer in the Holy Ghost and who have no personal expectation of a soon-coming king, who have no living, vital, and and vibrant hope of his return. So there's a knowledge that puffs up. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. It's a knowledge. We know that all men have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up. Let him that thinks he knows, know that he does not yet know as he ought to know. But there's a knowledge that brings freedom doesn't swell up the head it enlarges the heart you shall know the truth jesus promised us john chapter 8 verse 32 and the truth when you have known it makes you free doesn't set you free your being set free is already an eternally forever settled matter look at romans 6 6 again knowing this that our old nature our old habits, our old weaknesses, 
our old tendencies, our old conditioning, our old bent has been crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed. The body of sin. What gives sin its its dominion? What gives sin its effectiveness? What gives sin is strength. Where, O oh, death, is your strength? That's your sting. For the strength of death is sin. But when we were crucified with Christ, the power of sin was cancelled. Sin's jurisdiction over us was revoked. Why? That we are no longer subject to sin. Does that mean those who have experienced the sanctifying power of Jesus never sin, they may fall into sin time and again, but they are never comfortable there. They are never proud of, the, of being there. They cannot tolerate it for any appreciable length of time. If they fall into sin, it's so uncomfortable. It's like being smeared with animal feces. You, you want to wash that junk off of your body quickly, as quickly as possible. Knowing these that our old man is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin may be destroyed, that henceforth we should not be subject to sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we are dead with Christ, we believe we will live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. In that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, verse 11, another powerful key. Reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon it. Credit yourself with it. Act as if it is so. Count it to be true. Think of yourself in that light. Consider yourself in that light. See yourself through those lens. Continually. Even if you feel the powerful passions of sin in your body, if you feel the craving, the craving in your flesh, reckon yourself still. Consider, count yourself. Think of yourself. Recognize you have been crucified with Christ. Recognize it because it is true. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. You are dead to sin, you are alive to God. Dead to sin, you are alive to God. Dead to sin, alive to God. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the laws therefore. <laughs> Let. Don't allow it. Just say no. 
You know, I just I wrote a blog yesterday. I write a weekly blog. You can find it on global. Usually about 800 words. But this blog was 2,111 words. And it was a blog dealing with the issue of this, the misuse and the abuse of sex. I cited a study done by the Banner Group, an American-based company, based in California, actually. A thousand Christian men and women were asked how often they viewed pornography. 65% of men viewed pornography every month. 15% of the women viewed pornography every month. Then amongst the men who viewed pornography, the greater percentage of them viewed pornography several times a week. These are Christians. These are fathers. These are sons. These are husbands. These are preachers of the gospel. There was a convention somewhere in the United States, and this hotel was booked out with men who came to attend this convention. And when the hotel monitored what people were watching, a greater percentage of them were watching pornographic material. A senior colleague told me, there are few men above the age of 40 who are sexually pure. I don't, I don't remember if he says in the church or outside the church, but in his own experience, few men he knows over 40 years of age, married but faithful to one wife. And I ask the question, why don't we talk about that in the church? Why are preachers so preoccupied with cars and houses and clothing and shoes and church buildings and people being happy all the time when people are being dragged to hell right in the pews, right in the pulpit by the spirit of fornication and adultery. And I gave an analogy in that blog. Because of load shedding, we bought a um, gas cooker at my home. And then we ran out of matches. And I told my wife I wanted a lighter rather than matches. So I went to the shops. And I found out 10 boxes of matches cost less than 20% or roughly per 20% plus minus of the cost of one lighter. So I made the intelligent choice, bought the matches. How many matches do I need to burn down this building? I mean, right now with the right conditions, one match will be enough. If you spray this place with gasoline, petrol and kerosene, one strike will burn this entire building down then how many buildings can a whole box of matches burn? What about 10 boxes of matches? So in, those, in that package of 10 boxes of matches, tremendous destructive power, but also tremendous goodwill to boil me water for tea when there's no power, to cook some meals, warm some food for a long time. But as long as you don't strike the match, all that potential power remains potential, not kinetic. When you strike the match, you let. For example, dealing with the issue of sexuality, if you allow your eyes to look at wrong images in the name of movies, documentaries, television, the wrong literature, in the name of reading, I enjoy reading. Reading relaxes me. 
If you hang around the wrong people, hearing the wrong ideas all the time, if you as a young woman will go into a space with a young man with nobody there because you are a boyfriend and girlfriend and you don't have supervision or accountability and you hang out alone for hours on end watching television and you are striking a match and that match can literally burn down your entire life, can destroy marriages, can destroy reputations, can destroy ministries and can finally drag souls into the fires of hell. Paul says, don't let it, don't strike that match. Just keep the matchbox in the safe, in the pantry. Don't take it out and start playing with it where there's gasoline. Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. When you find sin hiding, lurking in any corner of your existence, exercise it. Cast it out. Refuse to let it stay. Refuse to tolerate it. Develop zero tolerance. In fact, hate it. Pray to hate it. If you love it right now, pray to hate it. Pray to despise it. If it gives you pleasure right now, pray that the Holy Ghost takes a hold of your your heart so strongly that the thought of it, the mere thought of it, will make you vomit in disgust. You see, God does not deliver us from our friends. He delivers us from our enemies. Says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate pride and arrogancy. If you don't hate it, you can never be free from it. If at the center, at one corner of your heart, this is fun, this is so pleasurable, this just, just feels so great, how can this be wrong? You are not ready to be free. So let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. That you should obey it in the loss thereof. The, the loss are there. The matchboxes are there in the boxes. You strike it at the wrong place at the wrong time. It burns down an entire city. It burns down a whole civilization. But you just don't strike it. Take it somewhere and roll, cover it in layers and layers of clothing and paper and, and uh, packaging and insulate it. <laughs> Do not strike the match. And you will not have a conflagration on your hands. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Your members. Don't yield your mouth. Don't yield your sexual organs. And your biggest sexual organ is your mind. Don't yield your mind. Don't surrender your imagination. Take your imagination and, and bathe it in prayer. Bathe it in praise. Bathe it in worship music. Bathe it in meditation. Bathe it in services. Bathe it in conferences. When you get on YouTube, don't watch nonsense. Watch the word and neutral things like the news. Don't watch People who have sold their destiny to Satan for fame, for fortune. Don't fellowship with demons. The final, the final 
authority, the final word, verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. God is not looking at you in your flesh. God is looking at who he has made you in the spirit. Sin cannot have dominion over you. It's illegal, absolutely illegal. But Satan is a criminal. He's a lawbreaker. If he can get away with it, he will get away with it. So, know that your old man is crucified. Reckon yourself. Let not sin and don't yield. (laughs) Don't give a foothold. Don't give a square inch. Because the final verdict, sin shall not have dominion over you. You are no longer under the law. You are under grace. Every chain of sinful habits fall off of you right now. I don't care how long you've been battling with it. You are free. You are free. You are free. Take the truth. Fellowship with the truth. Read it. Meditate on it. Put it in audio form and listen to it. Watch it in video form. Saturate your mind, your consciousness, your imagination with truth and your freedom will become an experiential reality. Be loosed, be free, be liberated. Enter into the glorious freedoms of the true children of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to Focus on Freedom Podcast. For more information, please visit olugeorgeministries.global or send a WhatsApp inquiry to plus 2781-300-6633. Also, like, subscribe, and share our content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. See you next time. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.